You're listening to a podcast from Victory. God is our Heavenly Father and Creator. Know more about this truth in week one of the Apostles' Creed. We are starting a brand new series entitled The Apostles' Creed. And maybe some of you are wondering why study such creed. This is uh, really very important for us to be able to know because this is one of the statement of faiths that our uh, early fathers started even during the uh, second and third century. And so we hope to be able to journey with you for the next seven weeks and look at the different aspects of this creed. Now, how many of you are familiar with the Apostles' Creed? Please raise your hand. How many of you are having some flashbacks right now, you know, as we have seen the video and the... Uh, you know, maybe some of you have memorized that. I grew up as a Catholic. I attended uh, catechism classes and, you know, I attended Catholic schools from grade one until high school. And so I kind of memorized that. Uh, and um, there's nothing wrong with the creed. In fact, uh, that's exactly what you want to highlight as a church. In fact, the entire movement is doing that right now. All of our churches in Metro Manila, uh, even some provincial churches are doing that right now. And so the purpose why we want to talk about the creed particularly the Apostles' Creed, it's one of the oldest, if not the oldest creed there is, is for our people to have a deeper, stronger foundation by looking back at our historic faith, resulting to a certainty of what we believe. Everyone say, believe. What we believe and be better equipped to face current cultural challenges and spiritual issues in life. And so when you talk about creed, basically a creed is a set of beliefs which guides someone's actions. So, that's what the Apostles' Creed is all about, okay? Now, when you talk about credo, credo is Latin for I believe. That's why you notice that in every line of the Apostles' Creed, it starts off with what? I believe. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ. So every line there starts with the word I believe because this particular creed really is a personal declaration of faith. You probably notice that it did not start with we believe. It's I believe. Because how many of you know that faith is personal? Hello. You know, we can't be saved because our parents are saved. Or we cannot be saved because our wife or our husband comes to church. You know, our, our essence of faith really is a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so, the question for us today is, are we clear about what we believe? I mean, what do you believe? How many of you believe that there is only one God. Please raise your hand. And how many of you believe that there are three persons in that one God? Please raise your hand. How many of you believe in the Father? How many of you believe in the Son? How many of you believe in the Holy Spirit? And the Holy Spirit is not the mother, by the way, okay? So, you know, sometimes you get confused. You, you know, there's a Father, there's a Son, maybe there's a Mother, okay? But really, when you talk about the, the Holy Trinity, it talks about the three persons in the Godhead. And this is the mystery that we want to look at. Why is there one God and yet there are three persons? And these three persons are co-equal, co-existent, and co-substantial. And all of them, they're not, you know, they're not in competition with one another, but they actually work side by side. And that's, that's where we see complete and perfect harmony and unity among the Godhead. Now, when you talk about the Apostles' Creed, this was written about 150 years after the original Apostles died. And how many of you know some of the Apostles? Can you shout out one or two names of the Apostles? Paul. Okay. By the way, he's not one of the original, okay? But he's the Apostle to the Gentile, but the original 12, okay? It's Peter, James, John, okay? Bartholomew, Matthew, okay? Uh, Matthew is also known as Levi, right? The founder of the Levi's genes. No, just kidding, okay? Uh, and so, uh, the other, Judas, famous Judas, right? Okay, part of the 12, okay? But he did not make it to the, you know, he was replaced by Matthias eventually, okay? Of course, Paul was called after that. The apostle Paul was eventually called out. After Jesus ascended into heaven already, we see that in Acts chapter 9 on his way to Damascus. Many of the things that we will find in this creed really are teachings of the apostles. This was not really written by the apostles themselves, but the early church fathers started writing that in order for them to preserve the teachings of the apostles, 
Because at that particular time, there was heresy that is going out among the churches and the believers. There's this certain Alexandrian priest or presbyter by the name of Arius, and he was uh, espousing the idea of Arianism, wherein he was challenging the doctrine of the Trinity, and he was challenging the divinity of Christ. What he was saying was, Jesus Christ was just created by God the Father, thus, He is not co-equal with the Father. So what he's saying is, since the Son of Man was created, or was born through the Virgin Mary, and the Holy Spirit was the one who was responsible for that, then Jesus was not divine, just like the God the Father. So that was a wrong teaching during that time. What he was saying was, he was questioning the divinity of Christ, that Jesus Christ is not God, but He is just a human being just like us. And there are similar you know, teachings nowadays that are ongoing, and so we want to make sure that our faith is actually steady and planted on solid ground. Amen. You know, some of the other creeds that were written during the first 300 years was the Athanasian uh, Creed as well. And so there's also an, uh, what you call the Nicene Creed. Okay, and so... Uh, we would like to be able to look at what are these components of this creed because the creed in itself, this is not anointed by the Holy Spirit. This is a summary statement of the doctrines from the Word of God. Okay, so we will be looking at that in a while. Okay? So in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, this is not in the text. And they devoted themselves to the what? To the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and to prayer. So when you look at the creed, Creed is meant to correct error, okay, so that we will actually have the same idea or the same set of beliefs. When you talk about you know, Christianity, we're clear about who, be, who we believe in. What is our belief? What about communion? What about the resurrection from the dead? What about the virgin birth? What about the, the doctrine of the incarnation? Okay? How many of you are familiar with these terms? Incarnation is not the milk that you pour out in halo-halo, okay? Incarnation is actually you know, Jesus Christ becoming a flesh, okay? And so we want to be clear about what we believe in because belief affects behavior. You know, when you have a false set of beliefs, then you might be faulty with the way you act and with your behavior. So it's meant to correct error, and at the same time, it's a tool for spiritual formation of God's people. In fact, uh, what they would do before is, before you get baptized, you would first recite the Apostles' Creed so that the clergy would check how is your faith and what is your belief, you know, as you come into the Christian faith, something like that, okay? And so, we will look at that uh, more in the history of the Creed. Now, the purpose of the Creed really is three things. Number one is to define Everybody say define. The definition of Christianity brings clarity. The creed gives us a brief outline of the central truths of the Bible. So, as I said earlier, the creed in itself is not powerful. It's the scriptures supporting the creed. We're not preaching the creed. I'm not preaching the Apostles' Creed. I am preaching the Word of God that empowers the creed. Okay, are we getting it? All right, so the creed is also meant to defend, everybody say defend, to defend our faith from people who would attack it. You know, false ideologies or maybe heresies or false ideas. Salvation is not by faith, it's only by works, something like that, or the, the essence of the Trinity and so on and so forth. Okay, and last is to declare. Everybody say declare. It's meant as a preaching, as a teaching tool, it gives us an outline for further discipleship. In fact, some young believers or new believers at that time who cannot read nor write, they would actually memorize the creed because it's helpful for them to have a succinct way of declaring what they believe in. Okay? So those are the purpose, to define, to bring clarity, to defend our faith, and to declare okay, to the people around us so that we can share the gospel. And it's easy for us to share what we believe in. Okay, so it's very important. So I want to invite everyone to stand. We're going to be declaring the Apostles' Creed, okay? And at the same time, I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles.
to Acts chapter 17, verse 24, and, and then we're going to be reading until verse 29. Okay, so the Apostles' Creed, I'd like for us to be able to recite this out loud all together. Okay, ready? One, two, three. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day, He rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church. I'll make a comment on that later on, okay? The communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 17. We're going to be looking at the first part of the Apostles' Creed, which is God the Father, Almighty Creator of heaven and earth. Okay, Acts 17, 24 to 29. I'll read it out loud. Just follow along with me with your beautiful eyes, okay? The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man, everybody say one man, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel their way toward Him and find Him. Yet, He is actually not far from each one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed His offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we are grateful for this afternoon. That Lord, as we talk about your word, we ask that you would give everyone clarity and even a deeper conviction for the faith by which we stand. Lord, I thank you that you will deepen our roots as a people, Lord God, that we will not be flaky Christians, that we will all the more dig deeper in the foundations of the Bible, Lord, that, Lord, you will establish a greater foundation so that we will bear much fruit and fruit that will remain. So, Lord, bless your people today as we listen to your word, open up our hearts, and receive from what the Holy Spirit is saying to us as a church. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, Amen. Amen. You may all be seated. How many of you are excited for this series? We're going to journey for the next seven weeks, and we're going to look at this particular creed. Really, it's... As I said earlier, the goal is not to preach the creed. That's not the goal. I'm not here to go line by line and break it precept upon precept because that's not the Word of God, okay? It reflects the Word, but to preach the Scripture behind the creed. I think one of the better illustrations for us is, how many of you have seen the moon lately? Have you ever seen the moon lately? Maybe you've gone out of your house, you know, observed the, the night sky, the skyline at night. And so you saw the moon, okay? I wish the moon is as big as this, okay? But anyway, so you saw a full moon. How many of you know and would agree with me that the moon in itself, it doesn't have the capability to emit light? Why is it glowing then? Why is it bright at night? It's only because there's the sun that gives the light and the moon basically reflects the sunlight that it gets from the sun back to planet Earth. Are we tracking this, uh, this afternoon, okay? And that's kind of like the creed. The creed is kind of like the moon. It doesn't have power in itself, but the power really comes from the Word of God. The Word of God is the one that gives us light. The Word of God is the one that gives us the power to change, amen? And the Word of God merely reflects, and you know, we see and we glean that, you know, because the creed is arranged in such a way that it's so simple to memorize 
that if you if somebody is asking you what is your faith, just by reciting the Apostles' Creed, you actually are able to say your set of beliefs. Amen. And so that's where we are coming from. Now, also, the goal of this is not to have an incantation. Okay, I don't want you to go in your office and just recite this three times every day and think that baka, baka swertihin, okay? Now, we're not talking about that. Okay, as I said, there's no power in it. It's meant to help us, ground us in the Word of God. So it's not an incantation, but to have a declaration based on what? Solid conviction. Why is it important? Because what you believe will determine how you behave. Your set of belief right now will determine how you behave. For example, if you grew up in a home wherein your parents have spoken positively to you and said, you know, you can do anything, my child. You are an achiever. You are very gifted. Guess what? Growing up, you would think, I am invincible. Right? You can join American Idol and say, I will win this. And I think that's the reason why many of them join, even if they don't have the voice, because they grew up in that particular family that says, you can do it. You have, you have a voice better than Celine Dion, something like that, okay? And so, because of the set of beliefs. But if you grew up in a family that's always negative and pessimistic, that always criticizes you and ridicules you, or maybe in a school that bullies you, guess what? Growing up, you'll have this mindset, you know, this set of beliefs that maybe I should not be born here on earth. And you're going to be a sore loser for your life. Our conviction drives our behavior. Your conviction drives your action. Okay, what do you believe in? For example, you know, how many of you know that belief is important? Belief is ultimately very important. That's why you know, this is a declaration of our belief. Back in the day, I think in the early uh, centuries, many people believed that the earth is flat. Of course, nowadays, you know, we kind of laugh at that. But guess what? You know, I've actually been reading in the internet and I found out that there is actually a flat earth society that was actually just been founded or organized just a few years ago. Can you imagine? Until today, they still believe that the earth is flat. And because of this thinking, the early people then would be afraid to sail. Why? Because they think if they sail out, they will actually fall off the edge of the earth. And they would end up in Mars. Can you imagine that set of beliefs, right? So our belief system drives our behavior. You know, what you believe will basically affect your, your, your behavior, the way you look at things. And so when you know that God is a good God, how many of you know that that eases us? And we know, and we're, we're confident today that, yeah, I know that my God is a good God. Amen. How many of you agree that God is a good God? Amen. And so we can wake up in the morning, it's all by the grace of God that I can actually stand up here. I don't deserve this. But it's by the grace of God that I can stand and I can actually receive the blessing of God. Not because I went to church. Not because I read my Bible today. Although that's important. I mean, if you know that, it's important to read the Bible, right? It's important to go to church, right? It's important to have fellowship, right? It's important to pray. But that is not the basis of our favor. The basis of our favor is really the magnanimity of God. The benevolent nature of God. Amen. So, what we believe affects the way we think. It gives us a certain worldview. In fact, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 to 10 says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe where? In your heart. How many of you know that you cannot believe with your mind? You cannot believe in your head. When you believe in your head, you call that knowledge. The most is understanding. But really, you cannot be saved by just believing and having a mental assent that Jesus Christ went to the cross. And how many of you know that many people know that Jesus went to the cross? But yet they're not saved. The essence of salvation is this. Believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead and you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So here we see there are two parts to this. There's an element of believing and there's an element of confessing or declaring what we believe in. Right? And so that's why there's the Apostles' Creed. It's not only a set of 
statements that we memorize, but really it's a statement that summarizes what our belief is. I'm trying to make it as simple as possible so that we can actually understand in the next seven weeks, this is what we're trying to drive at. We want to be strong in our beliefs. We don't want to just be affected by what the world is saying. Amen. Even if you lose your Nike endorsement, right? You know, let me just say something about that. Anyway, I, I mentioned it already. Speaking of Manny, I'm not here to promote him as a senator or endorse him as a senator, but I kind of admire the guy because of his faith in the Lord. Amen. He stood up for what he is, what he thinks is right and his conviction is. And you know what? I totally agree with him in his conviction. Although I disagree with him in the illustration that he used. Okay? I think that's a little bit overboard. Okay? Talking about, you know, comparing them to animals. But in reality, when you look at that, because he's talking about same-sex marriage, and we're going to look at this in a while. You know, when God created, really, God created only two genders. Male and female. And so when you talk about same-sex marriage, that is not the design of God. Okay, the design of God for marriage is male and female. He created them. In fact, not only is it found in our Bible, it is also found in the laws of the land. If you look at the family code of the Philippines, chapter 1, section 1, verse 1, if I may use the word verse, okay, article 1, it says their marriage is a permanent institution between a man and a woman. In our law itself, it says man and woman. So I think, We cannot redefine marriage for what it is. But somehow the world is trying to redefine what marriage is. Who invented marriage, by the way? God invented marriage. Who initiated marriage? God initiated marriage. Who invented, who founded the institution of marriage? God was the one who designed marriage. And so I believe it is safe for us to stay in the design of God. Are you clear with that? So when it comes to what Manny said about He does not agree with that, spot on. I agree with him. But what he said extra about, you know, uh, but he asked for forgiveness. Let's forgive the man. Amen. And I believe that if not Nike, there's going to be Under Armour eventually. Okay, anyway, sorry. Uh, I'm just prophesying. Anyways, so. (laughs) Okay, let's, uh, let's talk about this first statement. Let's read it out loud. I believe in God, the Father, Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. You know, God created the heavens and the earth and the universe from nothing. It's amazing. Who is this God that we believe in? I just have three simple points for us this evening. Number one, God is our Creator. Everybody say, God is my Creator. You know, when you talk about God being our creator, He is the originator. He is the starter. He is the origin of all things. Okay, that's why we read in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 in the ESV. Let's all read this out loud. One, two, three. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You know, the first four words in this particular verse is really important. In the beginning, God You know, God was already there even before time began. Even before heaven and earth were created, God was already existing. In fact, somebody once asked, if God created the heavens and the earth, where did God live? I thought He lives in heaven. Guess what? He doesn't need the heaven to live in. He is God. You know, we're trying to put God in a box sometimes. We're trying to limit who God is. But guess what? He created the entire universe, and guess what? He did not stop in His creation until today. He's still creating things. When God created the heavens and the earth, in the next six days, it was you know, an amazing journey and a beautiful summary because every single day, the Bible says, and God said. You know, He created by the mere spoken word of God. Can you imagine? When He said, let there be light, and then there was light. Biglang nagkaroon ng miralko. Something like that, okay? Wala pa miralko okay? But, you know, he doesn't need miralko. 
Because he was the one who started light. He didn't get any candle or something like that. Okay, what do I do? Guys, uh, angels, give me you know, something there. No, out of nothing. He merely spoke the word. And out of the word he spoken, there it came to be. You know how powerful the word of God is? God's word is able to give us life. Amen? God's word is able to change us from inside out. That's why it's so important for us to read the Bible every day. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, right? Remember that? Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so we, yeah, I know if you want Pandemanila every day, that's fine, okay? But really, we need more the Word of God because the Word of God is the one that sustains us. Amen. So here we see that God is the one that created everything out of nothing. You call it ex nihilo. Everybody say ex nihilo. It's a Latin word for out of nothing. He created something out of nothing. You know, when he said, and, you know, and, and God said about seven times, every time he spoke, there it was. Let there be light. Boom. Let there be an expanse between the heavens and the sea. Boom. Let there be vegetations on the earth. Boom. Let the sea produce creatures. And let the air produce flying birds or whatever. As he spoke the word, guess what? There it came to be. It's amazing how God merely spoke the word because his word has power to create. Guess what? Until today, God is creating things. Amen. Now, I don't think it will happen for us. For example, if you want to say, let there be car. I'm not really sure if that will happen for us, right? Or let there be money in my wallet. How I wish. We're not God, okay? But yet, when God speaks, He would speak with power. And there's might and authority. When He releases His words, there is a creative power every time God speaks. The Word of God. Amen. The Word of God is very important. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 says, By faith, everybody say, by faith. We understand that the universe was created by what? The Word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Revelation 4.11 says, For you, O God, created all things, and by your will... They existed and were created. Here we see Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in His own image. It emphasized that God created us. There was no theory of evolution. Hello? We did not come from an amoeba and turn into a protozoa, into a tadpole, into a frog into a small monkey, into an orangutan, into an ape, and now a man. (laughs) The theory of evolution is a theory. It is not a law. So the next time you students would hear this from your professors, try to debunk that theory because it is not true. Here in the Bible it says, in the beginning, God created the Big Bang Theory is also not true. Can you imagine if the Big Bang Theory is true? It says, in the beginning, bang! <laughs> but it did not. Male and female, he created them. Three times in this verse, it said, created them. And among the creatures that God created, every time he would speak, there was creation. He created the sun and the moon by His spoken words. He created the monkeys and the zebras and the chimpanzees by His spoken words. He created the tuna fish and the butanding by His spoken words. But yet, when He created man in His image, in chapter 2 of Genesis, He dirtied His hands. And He got dirt from the soil of the ground. And He handcrafted man. And He fashioned man according to His image, and He breathed life into man. His very own breath was the one that sustains us. Amen. That's why we are not like any creation. We are different from the animals. We're different from the monkeys. We're different from orangutans or, you know, whatever, okay, creature out there. You and I 
have been fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. Look at the person beside you and tell that person, you are beautiful. Because you have been created in the image of God. Come on now. We've got to believe that. Don't ever let anyone tell you otherwise. Don't let anyone speak about your flat nose. At least you have a nose, right? Don't let anyone talk about your bad color or whether you're too dark or too light or too, you know, no hair or whatever, okay? Now I don't know about that, but I know about this. God knows exactly the number of hairs that we have on our head. Amen. That's exactly who God is. He's a mighty God. He is actually very powerful, yet He's intimate. And He knows us by heart. He knows us personally, each one of us. You're not a number in a statistics in NSO, according to God. God knows what you're going through right now. God knows exactly what your origin is, what your problems are, and what you're going to be facing in the future. That's the God that we serve. Acts chapter 17, verse 24 says, The God who made the world and everything in it, nor is He served by human hands, as though He needed anything. How many of you know that God does not need anything? God doesn't need anything. You know, we cannot offer Him, Oh Lord, I'm going to build you this temple. You know, I'm going to make you know, a replica of you. You know, we cannot contain or put God in a box or in any image. Because He was the one who created everything. Since He Himself gives to all mankind life and breath, and everything. He gave us life. He gave us breath. I thank God I woke up this morning with a breath in my lungs. It's the grace of God. Amen. He will not give up on us. Amen. Until He says, your time is up. It's time to come home to me. I believe our life here on earth is a gift. It's a gift. Isaiah 45, verse 16 says, For thus saith the Lord who created the heavens, He is God, who formed the earth and made it, He established it, He did not create it empty, He formed it to be inhabited. He loves fellowship. The reason why He created, He could have actually just created things. He could have actually enjoyed His masterpiece, and on the seventh day, He rested. You know why God rested? Was God tired on the seventh day? Pagod na ako eh. He was not tired. But the reason why he rested was because he wanted to enjoy his creation. And have you ever wondered why God created man on the sixth day and not on the first day? Why? Because Adam Lord you know, something like that. You know, he might have too many comments. But you know, one particular assumption maybe is because of this. God does not want Adam to see him working because the moment Adam wakes up, he wants him to see that everything that he needed has been provided for. God created everything really for man to enjoy and so that God can have fellowship with him. God does not want Adam to work for him in day one, but in day six, God wanted Adam to have the ultimate fellowship and enjoy this time together, walking in the cool of the day in the garden. And just talking about life and talking about the animals and talking about the birds and talking about the plants. And I believe that this thing that God designed Adam to be does not change today. God still wants to have fellowship with us. God still wants to spend time with you. God wants to enjoy your work with you. God wants to know what's happening with your job. God wants to know what's happening in your family. God wants to know what's happening in your health. God wants to know what's happening with your wife. God wants to know what's happening in your kids. He wants to walk with you. And He wants to take you by the hand. And He wants to have fellowship with us. Amen? He is not a God who created and then disappeared. Some people would say that God is a deist. You know, deism is actually another heresy. They say that God created. Yes, they're saying that God is the creator. But yet after God creating things, He just created that and then left and let it be. And what He's saying is, you know, just eat, drink, be merry for tomorrow, you all die. Okay? That's not our God. He is not an impersonal creator. He is a personal God. You know, God is so infinite in His might and power, yet He is so passionate about His intimacy with us as a Father. That's who our God is. 
Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. As I said earlier, until today, God is in creating things. I believe that even till today, there are new universes that are being created out there. It is just so hard to fathom the breadth and the magnitude of the glory of God in the heavens. And I believe that is the beauty of God. Can you imagine this is the God who lives in us? He is intimate with us. Second, God is almighty. And we see that from the statement, I believe in God, the Father almighty. God almighty, if you look at the Hebrew, it means El Shaddai. Okay? El Shaddai is God almighty. God El Almighty Shaddai. This first statement was actually spoken by God to Abraham when he appeared to him in Genesis chapter 7, verse 1. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. So he called himself, I am God Almighty. And we saw and we heard and we understood that God really showed up in the life of Abraham, right? That even at 99, 100 years old, this wife Sarah, who was 90 years old, was able to bear children. How I many of you know that that is a mighty God? Right? Can you imagine your Lola going to the OB? Anong lakad mo? Magpapacheck mo na ako sa OB ko, right? 90 years old! Only God can do that. If God can do that for Abraham and Sarah, how much more us, you and me, God can do that for us as well. Not to, not to bear children in your old age, right? but to provide, to move on our behalf, to, to heal us, amen, to be mighty in our needs. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. How many of you are convinced that God is a powerful God? Amen. He is a powerful God. Nothing can stop Him in creating Nothing can stop His power because He's got the authority. When you talk about power and authority, it means He's omnipotent. He is eternal. He is unlimited. You know, we can cry out to Him and He will deliver us. The Bible says, Psalm 18, verse 6, In my distress, I cried to the Lord. I called for help from His temple. He heard my voice. He is powerful. You know, the earth shook and the earth trembled. Can you imagine how powerful God is? Isaiah 5.16 says, But the Lord God will be exalted by His justice, and the Holy God will be proved holy by His righteous acts. The Greeks do not know this God that we worship. They have a different God for everything that they need. They're afraid of their God because God, Zeus, is actually a God who's just a God of thunder, you know, they're afraid because if they commit a mistake, because this, this particular God might actually, you know, smash them with lightning. How many of you know that our God is not like that? Our God is not waiting for you to make a mistake. Sige, isa na lang, isa na lang. Waiting for Him to unleash His power and His anger against us. No, I believe God is patient. Tell the person beside you, God is patient with you. Magbago ka na. Parang ganun, okay? My last point as I come to a close. God is creator, God is almighty, and God is what? God is our Father. That's the best part of all. It's amazing how this creed summarizes who God is in that word, one particular succinct statement. I believe in God, the Father almighty, creator of heaven and earth. He is a loving, heavenly father. He is not just a father to Jesus. He is a father to us all. You know, as a father, it means progenitor. It means ancient begetter. It means the one who started the human race. He was the one who made Adam. And guess what? We all came from Adam. Do you believe that? You know, if you trace all the 7 billion people in the planet where their roots are, if you check all the DNAs, guess what? We will find out that it all originated from one man. And that one man was created by God Himself. 
Amazing. Scientists can actually verify this. His progenitor, his our ancestor, being then God's offspring. We ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of God. In essence, I believe all the people in the world are sons of God by virtue of creation. Do you agree with me on that? By creation. By the virtue of creation, everyone is considered children of God. But by the virtue of redemption, not everybody is called children of God. Even in 1 John, it says there's a children of God and there's children of the devil. Those who do not believe Him from the beginning is a child of the devil, the Bible says. So what distinguishes us? I believe that it talks about us and the way we believe who God is, our faith. Isaiah 64 verse 8 says, But now, O Lord, you are our father, and we are the clay, and you are our potter, and we are all the work of your hand. God sanctifies us. God forms us. God knows that we came from dust. And how many of you know that God is not done with us yet? Tatapus din tayo, Lord, right? In a good sense. He forms us. Whatever it is that you go through in your life right now, guess what? That's not something that God does not know. God allows us to go through life's pressures and difficulties in order for Him to mold us into the kind of person that He wants us to become. He is the potter. We are the clay. How can the clay say to the potter, why did you make me like this? The Bible says, but we are to submit to Him because He knows what's best for us. How many of you know that God knows best? How many of you trust God enough that He knows the best for you? That, you know, sometimes He would say no or wait or yes. Because I think as a father, you know, I always want to give my children good gifts. But yet I realize that not everything that my children ask is good for them. Can you imagine? What if my children one time would ask, Dad, can you give me a grenade? I, I want to try a grenade. <laughs> Do you think as a good father, Oh, sure! Try it out, okay? <laughs> God is both transcendent and yet immanent. You know, transcendent meaning superior, heavenly, perfect, unequaled, unmatched, divine. That is what transcendent means. Perfect in His holiness. And yet immanent. Immanent being innate, ingrained, inherent, essential, personal, intimate. Who is this God that we serve? In fact, when the apostles ask Jesus, teach us how to pray. Jesus basically said, this is then how you should pray. Start off by addressing Him, Our Father, who art in heaven. He did not say, okay, address God as this, O Holy One, Yahweh, Adonai. No, He said, call Him personal, Abba. Father in Hebrew is Abba. In other words, you call Him Daddy, personal. Jesus Himself compared earthly fathers to our heavenly Father. In Matthew 7, 11, okay, don't treat God like a 7, 11, by the way. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How many of you are dads here? Please raise your hand. You're a daddy. You're a father. Please raise your hand. How many of you would like to give good gifts to your children all the time? Right? Okay, let's go. It's not a trap question, okay? Me also. Okay? If us, though we are evil, right, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? You know, I believe that many times when you ask God because God knows better than us, He would actually say, that's not for you right now, but maybe in the future. Okay, anak, you know, I know you're single for a while, but not yet, okay? Wait a little bit more, something like that. Or maybe you're praying for a promotion, not yet, because I have something that is better for you to come. Can you imagine if Joseph, the dreamer, got his way? 
when he said to the cupbearer, okay, tell the Pharaoh that I am here, okay? He would have been assistant to the cupbearer. But he had to wait two years. And when the Pharaoh had a dream, guess what? The cupbearer said, oops, I forgot there's a guy in the prison who can interpret dreams. And after he said that, Joseph became second in command because God knows best. Amen. That's why you got to wait on God. God knows how to give good gifts to us as His children. Psalm 8, and I'm about to close. I want to ask the music team to join me here on stage. When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. Really, when you look at these two statements, it summarizes who our God is. It summarizes the God that we serve. He's the one who created all the heavens and the earth. By the power of His spoken words, He still, He puts the universe in place. He holds everything by the, in balance by the power of His hands. And yet this same God is so mindful of us. This same God is the one who actually cares for us. He's transcendent, yet He's imminent. He knows the number of stars in the galaxy and has called them by name. And He also knows the number of hairs on our head. And He calls us by name. God knows you personally. You're not just a statistics, a number in the statistics. God knows you. He knows how you were raised up. He knows your struggles. He knows your weakness. He was the one who gave you your strengths. He was the one who gave you your gifts and talents and abilities to glorify us. No, to glorify Him. Because He is a good God. My one point here tonight as I close is, our God is an infinitely mighty and passionately intimate Father. He's infinitely mighty in His craftsmanship, in His power and authority. But yet, He is so personal. He's passionate about that. He did not let the prodigal son come to Him. He ran towards the prodigal son when He came back to Him as a father. That's the picture of our God. I mentioned earlier that yes, by creation, all of us are children of God. But really, when you talk about redemption, we're not all children of God. But yet, God wants to offer an invitation for us so that you and I can also be called sons and daughters of God. And in John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, it says, Yet to all who received Him, who is the Him here? Jesus. To those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. If we believe in Jesus, if we receive Him, the Bible says He's giving us the right to become a child of God. Children born not of of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And this is what Jesus said in John chapter 3, you must be born again. Being born again is not joining a denomination. It's not joining a church. It's not changing your religion. It's joining the family of God. When you talk about the Catholic Church, it talks about the universal church. It talks about the church that is the true church that is holy and apostolic of all times and all places. It's not referring to the Roman Catholic Church. And we're part of that church because the church really is the family of God. And Jesus Christ is coming back one day for a glorious church because there's going to be a marriage in heaven. Him being the groom, we being the bride of Christ. I'd like to invite everyone to close your eyes and bow your heads. And Maybe some of you are here today and you have not received the grace and the gift of salvation from the Lord Jesus Christ. As we read in the Bible, to those who receive Him, to those who believe in His name, He gave the rights. It's a simple invitation I want to issue this evening as you come to a close. If you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and receive forgiveness, receive salvation, and receive the gift of eternal life, I want you to do this. At the count of three, I want you to lift up your hand. 
as a sign of acknowledgement of your need for God. Okay, I'll do that right now. And I want everyone who wants, who wants to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior to raise up your hand at the count of three. Okay, one, two, three. Lift it up. Yes, yes, God bless you. I see those hands. Yes, God bless you. Yes, yes, yes. Just lift it up right now. Continue li- li- raising up your hand. Continue raising up your hand. You know, this is the most important decision you can ever make in your life, bar none. Nothing more important than this. This is more important than the person you're going to get married to. More important than the job that you're praying for. More important than the house that you want to have. Really, this talks about our eternal destination in life. We're long gone. This decision will have eternal repercussions. If you're raising, raising up your hand, I want you to pray this prayer out loud. Be bold in declaring your desire and your faith in the Lord Jesus. In fact, I want to invite everyone to, uh, to, to pray this prayer out loud, okay? Ready? One, two, three. Let's say, Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner needing a Savior. I acknowledge your work on the cross as a payment for my sins. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that He was raised from the dead. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. Thank you for adopting me as a child of God. And from this day on, I can call you my Father because I am your child. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Praise God. Thank you for listening to one of our podcasts. We hope it blesses and inspires you to honor God and make disciples. For more messages like these, or to access other resources, please visit victory.org.ph or download the Victory app for free on the iTunes Store or Google Play. If you would like to share a story of God's faithfulness in your life, please visit victory.org.ph slash mystory.